On today's episode of the BSC Pod, we unpack a war a variety of events that have taken place since the last episode of the podcast. The Vikings played a couple football games, lost them both in uh, embarrassing fashions, but in different embarrassing fashions for each game. So we'll start there and we're going to talk news around the NFL because there's been a lot of it pretty recently. A lot of transactions, a lot of moves happening. Vikings made a move as well. Um, and one even invo- involves a former Viking. So let's dive right into today's episode of BSC Pod. All right. Well, yeah, as you said, a lot has happened. Um, we played the Seahawks in an absolute heartbreaking loss. Like you said, we yeah. definitely should have won that game. We outplayed them. Uh, I don't know if you remember when I texted you after that game saying that I thought we would go to the playoffs, <laughs> probably be a one-and-done team. Because hmm. the way we played against one of the best teams in the league was it shocked me, to be honest, and I just saw us as a team that wasn't going to lose most of these games going forward. Um, hmm. And then we jumped into the Atlanta game, and wow, was I proven wrong. That might have been the worst defeat. That probably is the worst defeat I've seen in the Mike Zimmer era. Just the fashion that we lost to it a team that had zero wins we couldn't do anything defensively or offensively and it was it was just abysmal after we've seen these corners improve um just every facet of the game honestly had been improving up -hmm. to that point and then it's like we diverted right back to week one against green bay and it was uh disappointing to say the least but now i'm full on the tank train i won't be getting off um what, what were your emotions like the past couple weeks? Um, well, to start off, the heartbreak in Seattle. So, roller coaster of a game. We go up 13 nothing at half. We got multiple sacks on Russell Wilson. Even got an interception on him in the second half. Eric Wilson made a great play on the ball. And then the Vikings get the ball back. And I think at that point, the Vikings were still up in the game. Um... I want to say the score at the time was uh, 26 to like 21 or something to that effect. And they got the ball basically right at midfield, right? And a few minutes left in the game, you think, okay, get another score here, either a field goal or a touchdown. At least that's what I was thinking at the time. Probably ices the game either way. And they get down to the goal line. And uh, they decided to go on fourth and goal for, or was it like a fourth and one? Probably fourth and one. And they run. Fourth and inches. Fourth and inches. <laughs> yeah. So the, they call a run play. Super predictable. Um, Madison actually had a crease open up on the right side of the offensive line. And there was actually a lot of room to run. But he inadvert- inadvertently went inside instead of outside and then he ran into the traffic not away from the traffic and he paid the price so the Vikings turn it over on fourth down and Russell Wilson does Russell Wilson things and converts two fourth downs en route to a victory yet again over the Vikings and I think that makes him 7-0 and against the Vikings in his career and 
I don't think he can ever lose to them. It's got to be like written into the NFL rule book that Russell Wilson beats the Vikings. It just happens. So overall, that game, there were a lot of good things to take away. I thought like a lot of young defensive players showing out, especially in the first half, especially that front seven, DJ Wanham got to the quarterback, James Lynch got to the quarterback, and everything kind of looked surprisingly good because you go into Seattle, they're an undefeated football team. Didn't really expect them to play that well, and they did. And then you go into the Atlanta game, both teams are subpar records, you know, 1-4 versus 0-5. Falcons had just fired their head coach, Dan Quinn. That was inevitable. Writing was on the wall all the way there. And then they get their facility shut down because they had a staff member test positive for COVID. So you would think leading into the ball game that basically every preparation uh, advantage would be going to Minnesota. But then they come out. And they get down 30 to nothing. And you you got to think, like, what happened in that week of practice leading up to the game? It must have been they were still emotionally deflated from the Seattle game. And they just brought no energy into the game against the Falcons until it was far too late. And Kirk Cousins made mistake after mistake after mistake. Three interceptions on a really bad day for him and at this point you gotta wonder what was what was Mark and Ziggy Wolf thinking handing out these extensions to Zimmer, Spielman, and Cousins because as far as I'm concerned they should all three be on the chopping block and with the way they came out against the Falcons if Zimmer did not have that extension in place I believe he would have been fired after that game because it was it was that bad they were so inadequately prepared for that game and they just had zero energy whatsoever brought to the table against an 0 and 5 team that had just fired their head coach that's got to be an all-time low in the in the Mike Zimmer era like you said it's just just reverted back to almost worse than what it was when Zimmer showed up to begin with back in 2014. It's almost gone backwards at this point. Yeah, exactly. Like you mentioned it a little bit, um, the cornerbacks in the Seattle game, I thought, man, this is really coming together. Like Russell Wilson's holding the ball back there for like 10 seconds and he can't find an open man and he's having to either get sacked or chuck it out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, this would be the way it is going forward uh, the rest of the season. And like you said, the worst game, the Zimmer era, just the defeat was way worse than the Packers defeat. Because, I mean, going into that game, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers versus a bunch of rookie cornerbacks. We expected some growing pains. But mm-hmm. after the Seahawks game, we expected or we viewed it as, oh, those growing pains might be over. And then we got torched by an 0-5 team, which is way worse than getting torched by Aaron Rodgers. And like you said, 30-0 at one point. I was full board fire Mike Zimmer at that point. Yeah. Um, it's just the way this team is going is not in the direction of an offensive team. 
Um, if we do tank, which I really thought we were going to do during the bye week and start mm-hmm. trading off some players, we haven't done it yet, to, which is disappointing mm-hmm. to me anyway. Um, but we're all those people that like the rumors are about who we're going to trade are um, either old offensive players or all the defensive players. So basically, there's been a rumor for each of them. Yeah. And that just goes to show that we're going towards an offensive team building around a young offensive core. And it just, it, Zimmer just doesn't fit here anymore. I think his time has passed. Um, mm-hmm. The league has sort of outgrown him. The team has outgrown him. We're going in a different direction. Um, I, I think he should have been fired as well. I think the contract extension might bring him to the end of this year. Same with Spielman, maybe. Spielman might survive, but um, I think I think Zimmer is gone at the end of this year. Right, yeah, as do I. Um, I just can't imagine this pear-shaped season that has been turning around in any fashion whatsoever. And if it does, it's going to be like one glimmer of hope followed by two backward steps. It's like one step forward, two steps back, and... That's basically been the story of the Vikings season up to this point because you had the the two first two games you lose to Green Bay that was kind of I guess expected in a way after I initially thought Daniil Hunter would actually play to start out the season I didn't think the injury was as serious as it now is now that he's having surgery on what we now know is a herniated disc and he's having season-ending surgery going on IR. I think it's the right move because, you know, we're 1-5. in five. We're not salvaging this season the way it's going. And if you want one of your best players moving forward long-term, have him get it right now while the franchise is basically bottoming out. Bring him back next year along with Michael Pierce and maybe get some pass rush maybe some run stops as well next year but this year's over as far as I'm concerned it's basically all but over and yeah I mean then you go into Indianapolis get whacked there by what we now know is one of the best defenses in the whole league and then Tennessee you get a little bit of hope there uh they at the time were undefeated and are still a really good football team, and they almost got the win there. And then they go into Seattle, almost get the win there. So you're like thinking, oh, this this is probably one of the best one in four football teams we've seen in a while, if ever. And then the win just got taken so far out of the sails that is the ship that steers the Minnesota Vikings. This year, it, the win was taken out of the sails after the Atlanta game. And then going into the bye week, I was kind of thinking, you know, going into the bye week, players should be amped up. They should, like, really have a sense of urgency going into the bye week, really preparing to get a win. And nothing was there. It, it just shocks me that that was the case. And I think at that point, it just boils down to coaching. Yeah, I agreed. It's on basically, we got out coached in every single facet of the game. Obviously cousins was terrible. That didn't help. Dalvin cook was out. That didn't help. Right. Everyone thought we were going to win that game going into it. Um, 
just the way we had played the past three weeks. I think everyone thought that. And mm-hmm. then just for it to be the complete opposite. Um, to one of your points about the season being over, I do think it's over. But there's a part of me don't, – don't worry, I'm not going to say we're going to go to the playoffs here. I'm oh, going to say okay. I think Kirk Cousins <laughs> is about to have the best, like, six-game stretch of his entire career and go on an absolute tear. He's going to get us to 7-9, and nine, so he get the 16th overall pick. Jeez. And it'll be just good enough for Rick Spielman not to cut him and go with, not, not to draft a QB in the draft. And oh. that is worst-case scenario. And honestly, I would be surprised if that happened. Yeah, just knowing the story of the history of the Vikings, it's honestly very uh, possible. And it wouldn't surprise me either because at this point, He's playing for his job, I would say. You know, everything is on the line for him. I I know he got the big contract and everything, but if he wants to be a starting NFL quarterback moving forward, whether it's here or somewhere else, he's got to ball out the rest of the year. Even if there's no playoffs, but what the reputation of Kirk Cousins has ultimately been, besides his one playoff win last season, it's just like, Oh, he stats. He stuffs the stat sheet, and his teams go seven and nine, eight and eight. What's you know that that's basically been the story of Kirk Cousins up to this point, and I hope that we just bottom out and we get into the top five of the draft, and we get into a position to move on from him. And it's going to be an expensive divorce, no doubt about that, but. Sometimes in life, it's it's necessary, and it could be the case with Mike Zimmer. It could be the case with Kirk Cousins. So it'll be uh, very interesting to see how the rest of the season unfolds. Just because I would say the the future of Kirk Cousins' career hangs in the balance for the remainder of this season. Yeah, exactly. That's really what I'm worried about. Um, like you said, hopefully it doesn't happen, but. Kirk Cousins is a capable quarterback, but he's just so streaky. It's just not someone who's going to get any team to the Super Bowl. Um, And that's what I'm afraid of is that he's going to go on a hot streak here, ruin our draft position, scare Rick Spielman or whoever's in power from getting a quarterback in the draft, and just continue this poverty (laughs) that we are in. And I do not want that. So, yeah, should we – or do you have anything else to talk about, or do you want to move forward to the well, Packers spe- game? Speaking of if Spielman's the guy to make the pick, do we really trust him to pick the next franchise quarterback? Because let's look at the record for his quarterback picks. So Christian Ponder, I would say that's on him, even though that draft pick was technically made before he became the GM of the Vikings. But... He was in the room. He was involved, so that's on his record. And then you got Teddy B. We all know that would have turned out great without the knee injury. And then up to this point, uh, we got Bradford, Keenum, and now Kirk Cousins. So I don't even know if I want him to be the guy to pick the next quarterback because up to this point, the record really isn't that great, I'll be honest. Exactly, and another thing I'll say is he completely misjudges the talent on these teams. 
he'll <laughs> he will do things. He will go for broke on free agents like Sam Bradford or Yannick Ngakwe. We just saw how that panned out. We can talk about that in a second. Yeah. But just in the past, he's completely misjudged these teams as being Super Bowl contenders and then giving away all this money in draft capital like to Kirk Cousins or Yannick or Sam Bradford. And then the team's just doing absolutely nothing, and there goes all that money, and there goes our first-round picks, our second-round picks. And it's just, if anything, that's one of the worst things about Rick Spielman to me is that he'll misjudge these teams and and just absolutely put us in a hard place like this year more than anything we've ever seen with the Kirk Cousins extension, the Yannick uh, trade. It's just been an absolute disaster. Um and at but what yeah, and at what point is he actually held accountable for that? <laughs> that's what exactly. I'm kind of wondering. I think that's an overlooked part of Rick Spielman. I mean, you'll get like his first round picks never hit like ever. Justin Jefferson obviously is a massive hit. Okay, oh, of course. Um, but there's people. There's just so many other picks. Like, yes, he's good in the later rounds. We get some average players in the later rounds that a lot of the times on other teams, those later rounds will end up being absolute busts and turn into nothing. They'll get them to be average players, but how many times has he drafted a first or a first round pick that has turned into an absolute star on this team? Um, Is it Justin Jefferson it? Am I missing someone? I mean, Xavier Rhodes for a year and a half. Is that it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, I guess the jury's still out on like Garrett Bradbury and, you know, a few others out there, but um, Sharif Floyd, maybe? He was a star in the making until he had his medical flare-up as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Um, Obviously, in 2015, that was probably the peak of Spielman drafts as far as coming away with talent. Like Trey Waynes at the time, Eric Kendricks, Stephon Diggs, Daniil Hunter. I don't really think you can have a better draft class than that. And then you throw in the Teddy pick from the year before, Anthony Barr. But Anthony Barr is now probably – you can't really consider him a star anymore and highly overrated, highly overpaid. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of just teetered out as far as what this team has been able to do under the leadership of – Spielman and Zimmer and I think change could be on the horizon so it'll be interesting to see if these guys who are now on contract extensions actually are held accountable and I wouldn't put it past the Wilfs to end up firing both of these guys because back in 2010 so that was a wonky pear-shaped season probably the likes of this 2020 season we're seeing unfold before us. So 2010, they go three and seven to start the season and they fired Brad Childress who had recently signed a multi-year contract extension. So despite the extension, I don't really think that is a 100% fail proof safety net for Mike Zimmer because They've done it before, and I'm sure they would be willing to do it again if they think it's in the best interest of the team. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you mentioned the draft with Diggs, Daniil Hunter, Kendricks, obviously. I think that draft has kept him on this team and given him a bigger leash. Then mm-hmm. I think that's the main reason people haven't been as hard on him. I mean, just just the way he handles the draft sometimes is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> uh, last year, I mean, we see Tyler Johnson flourishing as a wide receiver three slash four in Tampa Bay, getting all yeah. these touchdowns right now. <laughs> we're we're in prime position to pick him. Yeah. Instead, we trade back 30 times for 8,000 seventh-round picks. And then we take K.J. Osborne, who I've never heard of, who no one had ever heard of, because he was going to be this punt return specialist, kick return specialist. Well, that happened for two games, and now he's not even active on game day. What a disaster. What a disaster. I just, just the way he handles the draft sometimes is always infuriating. Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Wilkes might be looking for someone who's a little bit more ambitious than Spielman going forward now. Um, I think they're going to want a guy who's going to go out there and get a franchise quarterback because it's just good for the franchise in general. It's going to generate money for the Wilkes. It's going to hopefully, you know, we're finally going to get a guy that's going to be the cure for 13, 14, 15 years. Um, I, I honestly would, especially if it goes as bad as it's gonna, as it looks this season's gonna go. I think Spielman and Zimmer are both gonzo after this year. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Uh, I think patience is worn razor thin at this point with both among most Vikings fans, ourselves included, and now transition into i guess some news around the league a little bit but we'll start with here in minnesota so the vikings did end up making a single trade so far it could be the beginning of something larger looming but uh yannick and who they recently acquired going into the 2020 season uh they thought we would boost up the pass rush and like you said, I think Spielman obviously misjudged how good this team is or was capable of being. And he shipped the second round pick, which is now probably going to be a high second round pick, a very valuable pick, uh, to the Jaguars for Yannick. And then we flip him for a late third and I think a fifth as well. And so we go from... A high second-round pick to a low third-round pick for six whole games of the Yannick Ngakwe experience. So, good yeah. going on that one. <laughs> well, I'm just glad we got anything back for him. But again, like I said before, what a disaster just misjudging this team by Rick Spielman. Um, that second-round pick, man, that could potentially be a 5-4-3, uh, the third pick in the second round, you know, and yeah, That could have been the difference if we really wanted to go up to number two or number one to get a guy like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. That second-round pick might have been the ammunition that we needed to get that, you know, trade, swap first, give mm-hmm. them a second, the second-round pick, and then a first-round pick from next year. That might, have been, that might be the ammo that we need. And now what do we have, like a, a bottom, late, third-round pick? Like, it's, it's going to be very hard to – to trade up at this point um just based on 
what we have now for ammunition in the second round, those picks are valuable. And a second-round pick next year doesn't sound as good as a second-round pick from this year, especially one that would have been in the top five. Um, yeah, so like I said, I'm glad we got something back for him at all because I'm glad he read the force for the trees. And like you said, one pick so or one trade so far – when, when we traded Yannick, I thought that was the team recognizing, you know what, this team's not going anywhere. It's time to just get draft capital and just butcher this team. Um, we haven't done anything yet, and the team's going to be back at practice, I think. Are they back at practice today? They might be. I they, It's got to be either today or tomorrow, I would, exactly. I would assume. Yeah, the team's back at practice. Um, it's. I feel like it's almost... The time is passing. Like, I don't know what they're waiting for. People, there was reports about teams calling for Kyle Rudolph, like offering trades. I don't care what the trade is. If it's a seventh round pick, you should take that trade. Whoever gave you the highest bid, just take that trade. Get his contract off of our, get it, get, we'll clear up some cap space from it. We'll get something out of it and we'll free up some cap space. Uh, there's just no reason for Kyle Rudolph to still be on this team if those rumors were true. And I love Kyle Rudolph. He's a great guy. He's a, great in the locker room. We completely misuse him here. All right, we completely misuse him. We should have traded him if those rumors were true. And the fact that we haven't is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, totally agree. He's definitely one of the top names that is still um... – available i would say from the vikings in, in a potential trade um as far as his career goes with the vikings it's pretty impressive you know he's been a career viking up to this point drafted in 2011 and has been loyal to the franchise loyal to the team and uh been great in the community and everything and just one of the best players probably to ever put on the purple and gold but at the same time ever since cousins came to town other than the touchdown last year to beat new orleans in the wild card game those two just really never got on the same page and i don't know what it was maybe it was the whole john d filippo experience into kevin stefanski into now gary kubiak all those changing variables, uh, probably coaches trying to use him in different ways, but it just hasn't worked out with Cousins and Rudolph. So at this point, yeah, get get what you can for him. And he's got a big money contract. I believe he's the fifth highest paid tight end in the league, and he's not even in the stratosphere of that anymore. So if you want to shed some cap room, the cap's only going to go down next season. Time is of the essence. You got to make a deal here at some point. I agreed. I mean, like I said, we completely misuse him. And another thing you mentioned is that we thought Cousins, ever since Cousins has been here, I remember when we got Cousins, it was kind of like, oh my God, him and Rudolph are going to just go off, light up the stage because in Washington, Jordan Reed. Yeah, he passed to his tight ends all the time, and then it just never happened here. I honestly think it's always been a scheme thing with Rudolph, the fact that he doesn't get more red zone targets. It's uh, absurd. The past couple years. Exactly. It, it's, just, it's borderline criminal. Yeah, he could go to any other team and be a 5, 6, 7, 8 touchdown guy. 
the yards will probably never be what they were in the past, but he's still a very, very viable red zone target. He's huge. I mean, his hands his hands are some of the best hands in the league, and we never throw him a 50-50 ball in the red zone. It's just it's very, very shocking to me. <laughs> uh, um, the next rumor is Harrison Smith. Yeah. As he unfollowed the Vikings on social media. Personally, I thought he was going to get traded today or tomorrow, or or yesterday or today. I mean, Monday or Tuesday, and that hasn't happened. And you know what? I'm I'm obviously sad to see him go, but I am disappointed that we haven't done anything yet because, like I said, I'm full on the tank train, and we need to clear up cap space. We yeah. need to get draft picks if we want to trade up and actually do a real rebuild. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm disappointed with what's happened so far. Yeah, I think uh, the lack of a sense of urgency, especially given this particular season more so than others with uh, COVID involved and all the protocols in place for it, you basically have to wait a week before you can get these acquisitions in the building because you have to test negative for COVID three separate occasions before you can even join the team. So next week's the trade deadline, um, November 3rd, also election day. Make sure to get out and vote. Um, Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, time is of the essence. The clock is ticking and they need to get a move on with some of these guys that are supposedly on the trade block. Um, As far as Harrison Smith goes, another prime example, just a great leader in the locker room. For the most part, he's been probably patient to a fault with this organization and with this team. They compensate him fairly well for that, but at the same time, Still one of the best safeties in the league, and I think he would obviously be an immediate contributor to a team vying for a Super Bowl who maybe needs one more defensive back to solidify a championship defense. And the Vikings are just too far away from that, and I I don't think he's going to retire in purple and gold, so why not get what you can, maybe a a second, third round pick for depending on who really needs a DB at this point. Um, recoup what you can, and like you said, you, you just need to start clearing the books for next year's cap. It's only going to go down, so we need to prioritize for that. So this season's not going anywhere. Maybe it's time to do a little bit of house cleaning. So. Yeah, I don't I don't get what they're waiting for either because like you said the trade deadline is next week. Are they waiting for every single player's dra- or draft capital or whatever to go down uh, their value to depreciate after everyone gets throttled by Aaron Rodgers this week? Well, um, yeah, and that, that destroyed by Aaron Rodgers next week <laughs> is not going to help anyone's value. Well, what if one of these guys gets hurt in the next game? Then it's then they have then they're stuck. Like with Anthony Barr, he got hurt right away to begin the season. I think his name would be talked about right around this time of the year, if, if not for his injury. So, yeah, that, he would be a hundred percent gone at this <laughs> point. I mean, I there's no way him. He would everyone would be calling for him to be traded. 
like yeah. you said earlier, he's just never become the star that we thought he was going to become. Um, no, but there's just it, like you said, time is of the essence. What are we waiting for? But with Anthony Barr, I also think it it's a little bit of a misuse factor. I think in college he was more of an edge rusher, four three defensive end, hand in the dirt, get after the quarterback and. We tried to transition him into an off-the-ball linebacker, and he's been great at that at times. But at the same time, like let Anthony Barr go pass rush, do what he does well, but they seem hell-bent against that. And, yeah, I mean, I think a few other names just to kind of wrap up Viking trade talk here. I think uh, Riley Reef is certainly one name that comes to mind just because with offensive line, injuries just seem really bad this year. Uh, Tennessee just lost their left tackle, Taylor Luan, for the rest of the season. Tyron Smith down in Dallas, he's hurt right now, and Dallas is a total nightmare um, just given the fact that they lost Dak Prescott for the year and Andy Dalton hasn't done much to alleviate those pains, but you know, get Dallas or get Tennessee on the phone, try to get maybe a fourth or fifth round pick for Riley Reef for the rest of the year. I don't know. Reef has been our best lineman this year. Um, so I mean it's not gonna get better than this. I mean yeah. he's a cheap he's a cheap right ta- or left tackle. There's a lot of left tackle needy teams right now. Exactly. There's no reason we shouldn't trade him. I think we could even get a third for him with the desperation from some of these teams, like the Titans you mentioned. Yep. Um, they would. You'd think they would shell out a third to get a reliable left tackle on their team, but especially with, since they're they're in the running for potentially a Super Bowl run at this stage of things. Exactly. So I just we keep saying it. What are we waiting for? It's it it does almost reinforce the fact. To me, like it, like my theory is that maybe Rick Spielman and Zimmer are on the chopping, or yeah, they're they're at risk for being fired, so they're not going to go out without you know giving it. They're all here. They're not going to give up their star players because they don't want to lose their jobs. That's the only thing I can think of at this moment in time for the reason why they'd be doing this. Yeah, and then one more name here. I'll just wrap it up with Anthony Harris. As we all know, he's playing on the franchise tag, which is essentially a one-year contract. And I, I don't think they're going to tag him again because it would probably cost even more money than it does this year. And given that the salary cap's getting squeezed a little bit more going into next year, it's probably not financially feasible. So if they were to trade Harrison Smith, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit, that it would free up some money to potentially extend Anthony Harris at a cheaper rate than he was probably demanding going into this offseason where his talent and his value was basically at its peak, and that's why they had to slap the tag on him. So now that that value's probably gone down a little bit just because his level of play isn't where it was at last year, certainly, uh, could be... A potential opportunity to extend but if the that ship has sailed i say trade him get get a pick for him and call it a day 
Yeah, we did talk about this. My favorite scenario is trading Harrison Smith because that's who you're going to get the biggest, the highest draft pick for. Um, you could, like you mentioned it, I mean, he was, he's, there's no way he can demand as much as he did last year because he was the best safety in the league last year. Mm-hmm. He was, <laughs> it can't get higher than that. And now he's more middle of the road right now, and I don't think that's because of him. And uh, I think it's just because the team around him right now is making him look worse than he actually is. Um, so it's it's sad for him that he's not going to get as much money because the team around him sucks. But <laughs> it's good for the Vikings because we can trade Harrison Smith for a high draft pick and then sign a cheaper safety and a younger safety to a longer-term deal. So that's my favorite scenario. Yeah, that's... That would sound good to me in theory, but who really knows how this is all going to end up. And then I just want to touch on a few things from around the NFL. So the Jets, who are basically in in the front-runner category in the Tank for Trevor marathon, uh, they're the lone winless team left in the NFL, and they made a move cutting – Le'Veon Bell, who they had signed to a very lucrative contract just a year ago. And they decided to cut ties. Probably something to do with the fact that Adam Gase hates all running backs and probably quarterbacks too. But, you know, just scoring points in offensive football, not really his (laughs) thing. But, yeah, um, so he gets released and then quickly signs a one-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, as we all know, the Chiefs are pretty loaded. got Patty Mahomes. You got Tyree Kill, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, who now maybe gets a little bit lighter of a load in the backfield now with Le'Veon Bell in the fold. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire... Uh, last week at his best game of his career, of his short career. So maybe the Le'Veon Bell thing gave him a little motivation. But yeah, they'll have a nice rotation at running back now. Um, so people are excited to see that. I think Le'Veon Bell gives them a, a third down back for sure. Uh, more experience with receiving the ball. Yeah. So yeah, just adding some more firepower to that loaded offense. The Jets... Oh my God, the Jets. I've watched two games now from them just because I'm actively rooting for them to win because I want the Vikings to get the word, the number one pick. Yeah. But holy crap. They are so <laughs> inept. Like, I watched Dolphins games last year, Bengals games last year, and even the Browns when they were 0-16, you see them play. We even played them that year. The Vikings did. and yeah, We were actually losing to those Browns at one point, and they just found ways to lose that year, but the Jets are not finding ways to lose. They are just doing absolutely nothing. It is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life watching them play, and they will get the number one pick. Um I, I sent you the message about Trevor Lawrence basically saying, like, oh, who knows what's going to happen. I might go back to Clemson. Who knows? Yeah. Um, good Lord. The Jets, if they were smart, the ins of the season's over, they would be shopping off that pick and uh, just get as many picks as they can from uh, 
from whatever team, whoever wants to shell out the most for Trevor Lawrence, basically. So, yeah, the Jets are a disaster. And you know what? Good for Le'Veon Bell, I guess. I mean, his career since the Steelers has kind of been a disaster and kind of one a lot of people predicted would happen. But now he's on a good team again. We'll see if he can have a resurgence. Yeah. And uh, moving on from Le'Veon Bell, we go to another former Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, Antonio Brown, who is currently serving the last week of a personal conduct suspension from the NFL. It was an eight-week suspension, but that eight weeks is about to come up here, and the phone started ringing again for Antonio Brown. Hasn't for a very long time, surprisingly, and apparently Seattle was in the mix at one point initially, and then all of a sudden things turned towards uh, the Golden State Warriors of the NFL, it seems, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, So now Tom Brady gets another former teammate, albeit it was just one game last season, uh, but now reunites with Antonio Brown. And the rich get richer in the NFC. Um, As far as Tampa Bay goes, they're still positioning themselves potentially to make a deep playoff run and now add another weapon to an already deep arsenal with uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson's emerging in his rookie season, and Gronkowski's starting to get involved more and more every week. So, wow, this could be a potentially very high-ceiling signing for a very low cost, $2.5 million for Tampa Bay. Yeah, they. I will say that I was wrong. In the first couple weeks, I thought I was very right when I was <laughs> watching Tampa Bay. Because they looked exactly like I thought they were going to be. Tom Brady looked old. The offense looked pretty stagnant. But now, um, I thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. But now the Saints have regressed quite a bit. Uh, Tom Brady is playing out of his mind right now. Five touchdowns on Sunday from him. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's, he, they look better every week. And now adding Antonio Brown, if he can be good, I think that's a big if right now. Because... Uh, he was he was good his last season with the Steelers two years ago, but he was outplayed by Juju Smith-Schuster. And then, obviously, he only played one game last season, and now he's getting pretty old. I mean, I think he'll be good. I don't think he'll be as good, but regardless, you're still adding uh, – if he's even wide receiver three on that team, you're going to have the best trio of wide receivers in the league with Evans, Godwin, and Antonio Brown. So – like you said, the rich get richer, and I'm, I was wrong about Tampa Bay. They're definitely going to the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I will admit I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, they probably look like a legitimate potential favorite to go to the Super Bowl at this point. They're just clicking on all cylinders, and now I'll conclude the – around the league we're doing here with um, a little bit of news about a former Minnesota Viking. We got Everson Griffin, who signed a one-year deal to go to Dallas this offseason, has now been traded to an NFC North rival, the Detroit Lions. So 
Detroit sends a conditional six-round pick, so basically getting him for pennies on the dollar. And Matt Patricia adds another pass rusher to a pretty deep rotation developing out in Detroit. Yeah, exactly. Um, this Of all the moves that were made this offseason, it look, looks like Everson Griffin getting cut for to save money was a good one because he did absolutely nothing in Dallas. <laughs> but I hope he's – I love Everson Griffin, so I know and I hope he's great there, and I hope when he plays the Vikings he absolutely destroys Kirk Cousins and, you know, just – adds fuel to the cut Kirk Cousins fire to a draft a new to the draft a new QB fire. I hope we lose both of those games. Um so yeah, I mean I don't think it's real I don't really care that much to be honest about this move because like I said, I don't think he's very good anymore. But I don't know, what do you think? Do you think Griffin has anything left in the tank? Maybe a little bit. Not very much. I mean, I think he'll contribute a little bit to Detroit's pass pass rush, but other than that, as as far as like being a rotational, maybe third down pass rush specialist, that's probably the ceiling for him at this stage of it. Yeah, like take up that Brian Robinson role in yeah. the later years of his career. I think that is he can't be the the main rusher anymore like Dallas is trying to do with him so right I think he could be more effective in that situation yeah we'll we'll see how it goes Detroit's actually got a little bit of momentum for themselves right now uh I think they're three and three on the season they've won their last couple of games so I mean they're kind of in the mix in the NFC uh but nobody really sees Detroit as much of a contender at this stage of it, but potentially this move will help bolster up their defensive pass rush rotation. So, yet to Can be I go seen. Back to the Vikings for half a second, quick. Yeah, definitely. Um, just the fact that Atlanta lost that game by accidentally running in a touchdown and then giving up a touchdown to Detroit in like what was it like seventeen seconds or something ridiculous after that. Yeah just shows how bad Atlanta really is. The ways they have found to lose football games this season, <laughs> it's absurd. And then for them to come here and just absolutely demolish us, it just adds to my anger for this team. But I digress. Yeah, and then after Detroit scored the touchdown and they did that camera shot to Arthur Blank, all he needed was a was a top hat, and he's basically looks like the Monopoly man. <laughs> oh my god, what a disaster that franchise is right now. Almost as bad as the Vikings. Oh yeah, almost. Except they beat us, so they exactly. can, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, well, I suppose now that we're caught up on the current happenings of the league, we can digress into previewing the border battle version two of 2020 vikings go to lambeau field to take on the greasy grimy green bay packers so let's preview oh man so obviously i'm expecting the vikings to get destroyed (laughs) um i think like i said i think kirk cousins is gonna have a great game though to be honest and 
you know, it'll, it's got to be closer than it was before, you'd think. But at the same time, you also don't think that. Like, it might even be worse than before. Green yeah. Bay with Devontae Adams last week just looked unstoppable. Um, I, I Devontae Adams might go for 300 yards against our cornerbacks this this week. So, yeah. yeah I, I, just, I just don't know where we're – I mean, we have Justin <laughs> Jefferson now on offense who's emerged. I think he'll have a big day. But aside from that, I don't think it's going to be really close. I'm I'm not going to get my prediction yet. I'll let you talk. Sure. So, yeah, um, with the Vikings, we've got a little bit of positivity in the form of Dalvin Cook coming back probably off the um, hamstring injury, I think it was, something like that. Um but yeah, he sat out the Atlanta game, which probably changed the whole dynamic of the offense. So a lot of people were kind of saying that, uh, you know, Alexander Madison, very capable running back. He, we won't miss a beat without Dalvin Cook. And I think we were rudely awakened to the fact that Dalvin Cook's very important to the productivity of this offense. So I think getting him back will provide a little bit of a spark, but at the same time, you know, when we're as inept as we are on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is just going to be vintage Aaron Rodgers and pick apart the secondary yet again. Maybe the Vikings give up an, another 40-burger on defense, and we've already given up two. And the other games, we've probably given up at least, you know, 30 in some of those as well so gotta be probably bottom five if not bottom 10 for points allowed and yards allowed this season so if you're a fantasy football player i say you know start aaron Rodgers, start Devonte adams and start aaron jones start your packers this week they're about to have a day yeah basically anybody who plays the vikings you can start <laughs> You know, it's just so bad, uh, the defense is. And it just makes me angry, and it makes me laugh that Zimmer got asked, like, oh, like, what do you think the defense is going to like be after you've lost all these players? Like, and he says, well, we, I've never had a bad defense, so I don't see that happening. And just to see how awful we are, it just makes me so mad. <laughs> oh, man. Makes me mad and makes me laugh. Um, yeah, I'll give my score prediction. I do think it's going to be another 40 bomb from the Packers. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the score was pretty identical to the first game. Yeah. I'm like, predicting something like 42 to maybe 28. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I'm probably in the same uh, area as you. Probably, I'll go 45 uh, 27 Green Bay. So. Yeah, I think they'll they'll get a big lead pretty early, and then Kirk Cousins, in typical Kirk Cousins fashion, will stuff the stat sheet in garbage time. So, to make make the the game look a little bit prettier, even though it's probably ugly in all aspects. Yeah. So, yeah. Ugh, not looking forward to this week. Um, not at all. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is probably. Um, the least I've expected the Vikings to win at Lambeau since probably 2014 where 
uh, Matt Castle had gotten hurt. Teddy was out that week. And they had to start Christian Ponder, the third-string quarterback at the time, at Lambeau. And we lost 42-10. to And it honestly wouldn't even surprise me if that happened again this week. But it just flashes me right back to that. The How the expectations have gone from super low to super high and now we're back to frighteningly low but yeah i mean that's just the way it is these days yeah i agree it's it it definitely could be as bad as that game was yeah okay well i guess what we could do now we could probably just do week eight predictions so why don't we just dive right into that and to start off, we have um, Thursday Night Football featuring the 1-6 Atlanta Falcons go to Carolina to take on Teddy B and the Panthers. So I guess what I could say about this game, you know, Falcons, they just find ways to lose against anybody that's not Minnesota. So... Um, Obviously, you know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, they're going to have a pretty productive day on offense. I just think that Teddy's going to have an even better game than Matt Ryan and find a way to win, get the Panthers back on track. They've been in a little bit of a slump lately, so I think this is a good opportunity for a a get-right game for the Panthers. Yeah, their defense has been really holding them back. Teddy's looked really good. I do think that the Panthers will win this game. Um, it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game, you would assume. Um, I just like – I mean, they cut Eli Apple today, the Panthers did. So, clearly they don't have much faith in their secondary at this point in time. So, this one will be more of a shootout than than probably most – like a lot of the games this week just because the firepower Atlanta still has. But like you said, they just, and I said earlier, they just find ways to lose games. And like you said, unless it's the Vikings. But I think the Panthers will win this one as well. All right. And next up, we have one of the best rivalries in football. He got the 6-0 and Pittsburgh Steelers, the lone undefeated team left in the league, going to Baltimore at 5-1. and So... I mean, what else can you say? You got Lamar, you got Ben Roethlisberger probably vying for comeback player of the year this year. Uh, Great quarterback matchup, great defenses, uh, really good running games. James Conner, you got Mark Ingram for the Ravens. So, and, And obviously, you know, the threat that Lamar Jackson is on the ground, so... I think this will be probably one of the lower scoring games of the week, so if you're gonna bet the line probably take the under on this one maybe but uh yeah i mean i i'm really looking forward to this one it's a classic afc north game yeah i love the steelers are my second favorite team in the league they look pretty good this year they're the only undefeated team but that being said i've watched most of their games and it's never been it's never looked super easy for them but I do think they'll win this one, actually. And I'm wow. super excited to watch. Like you mentioned, these games are always pretty 
pretty good brawls between these two teams. Yeah. Um, I'm Always. giving the Steelers the slight edge because their offense has been more effective than the Ravens' offense has been up to this point. So I think that'll give them the edge. I'm going to go with Baltimore on this one. I think just the fact that they're at home and they are uh, coming off a bye week as well. I think they'll be pretty fresh and ready to go. Harbaugh coach teams are usually pretty good off the bye, so I'll go with Baltimore here. They're two AFC heavyweights that are probably going to be vying for a top seed in the AFC playoff bracket and the AFC North division title, so... Yeah, that's probably the highlight of the 12 o'clock kickoff games. But moving on, we got the Rams going down to Miami. And with Miami, they have decided to make a change at their quarterback spot. So they go from Ryan Fitzpatrick, or as many call him, Fitzmagic, down in Miami. They now transition into Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback, who they picked with the fifth overall pick in this year's draft. So it, it kind of seemed inevitable that they would move on to Tua at some point, but with how Fitzpatrick was playing, the timing of this is kind of a little bit surprising. I think the reason they're doing it is because with the Texans pick that they have, mm-hmm. being it's going to be a high round, it's going to be a high draft pick. Um, I think they just want to see what they have in Tua this year. And if Tua looks horrible the rest of the way, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade their two draft picks to move up and get a top two guy at it because they have the ammunition. They have two first-round draft picks, and one of them's going to be very high. And if Tua is garbage, then they'll have another high one. So then I think they just want to see what they have in Tua. And then if he doesn't look like what they thought he would be, they I think they might be... Uh, one of the teams that could possibly take a QB this year. You really think they would go full-on Josh Rosen with Tua? That oh, I mean, with this draft, when you got Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, I think Zach Wilson is blowing up onto the scene right now. Um, I, this is just this quarterback draft is too good, and I think if, if you do have that much ammo, you have two first-round draft picks, I think a lot of I think they would go full Josh Rose, and I think they could also get a good, another good draft pick out of trading Tua to a different team as well. So, yeah, I mean, I would yeah. not be surprised if I think that is their motivation behind this. I think they just want to see what they have in Tua. Like I said, I don't think Tua is going to be bad. I think they just want to make sure that they have their guy going forward because they're not going to have another opportunity like this regarding uh, their, their draft picks going forward for potentially a long time. So if Tua is a bust, they can course correct quickly this year. Like I said, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that is the motivation behind it. Yeah, interesting take. I had really never entertained that process. But um, as far as this game goes, the Rams are pretty much a really good team this year. They've rebounded from last year. Uh, the offense that they have is back on track. McVeigh has got has righted the ship, and I think that they're gonna go into Miami and get a win. I don't think it'll be an easy win though, because the Dolphins have made it tough on everybody up to this point. So it's gonna be a good battle, I think. But 
ultimately, I think the Rams pull this one out. Yeah, the Rams absolutely exposed the Bears. Um, I saw <laughs> I saw a point differential statistic for the all like the five and one the best teams in the league, and the Bears were, have a negative two point differential. Jeez. And they, are, and they are somehow five and two. Yeah, well now it's, five and two. Yeah, so the Rams <laughs> slaughtered them. Um, I think yeah, like, I think they'll go into Miami. Get a closer win. I think every time a rookie QB comes in, they look pretty decent in their first game. I remember Christian Ponder came in his first game, and everyone's like, oh, my God, we're saved. Like, the future is here, man. <laughs> so I think usually there's a little bit of magic with the with the first-round pick quarterback coming in for their first game. So I think that'll keep it close. Um, not sure if they're going to win. Like I said, I'm the safe bet is definitely the Rams. Yeah, moving on, we got the 0-7 New York Jets heading into Arrowhead Stadium to take on the 6-1 Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are basically the best team in the AFC for my money, and they're not about to lose to the worst team in football in perhaps the last three or four years. So, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, they're playing the Jets this week. My God, dude! I like I said, man. I've watched two Jets games now, and it is the most. It's worse than I said when I watched the Cleveland Browns and they went 0 16. It is worse than that. It is worse than that. Um, I almost want to watch it just to see what the score might end up being. Chad Henney got in last week because the Chiefs blew out the Broncos. I think we might be seeing a lot of Chad Henney this week. Yeah, potentially a whole quarter, maybe even a little bit more. But uh, for the reasons they blew out the Broncos, it was kind of unexpected. They got a defensive score, and then they returned a kickoff. So we all know they have this really explosive offense with Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and their whole core of speedy receivers. So... Yeah, I mean, they really didn't have a super productive day on offense, but they really didn't need to. So I think this week, Mahomes just might just full-on send it and go like 450 and five touchdowns or something crazy like that. But we'll see. If you're a chief player, fantasy owner, uh, got to start your Chiefs this week, no matter who they are. So you have Tyree Kill? My God. <laughs> Yeah. He's going to go for 300 yards. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. If you're betting the the, the line as well, you definitely got to take the Chiefs to cover. So, moving on, we got the Indianapolis Colts coming off their bye week to take on the Detroit Lions. So, like I said, Detroit, they got a little bit of momentum going. Now they face a pretty tough test in the form of the Colts. Uh, pretty stellar defense so far. Rivers is kind of keeping things afloat on the offensive side of the ball. Jonathan Taylor's doing his thing in the backfield. Uh, this game's a little bit of a toss-up to me, honestly, but I, I tend to favor the Colts when I say toss-up, so I'm going to go Colts. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I also am going to go Colts here. 
think the Lions have beat some really bad teams. The Colts, <laughs> like you said, their defense is one of the best now. Phillip Rivers is, I guess he's okay. <laughs> but I think that defense will be enough to overtake the Lions. Yeah. Um, Stafford, he hasn't been lighting it up offensively, or the Lions really haven't often, haven't had a powerful offensive attack, but they've just kind of had a couple of schedule breaks go their way, and somehow they find themselves at 3-3. Three and three, So it'll be interesting to see how they fare the rest of the year. But moving on, we got the 3-3 three and three Vegas Raiders going into Cleveland, who is now without OBJ, torn ACL, out for the rest of the year. Um, I honestly think this may be a little bit of a blessing in disguise for Baker Mayfield and how that offense is going to function because he's not going to have to force feed OBJ for the sake of force feeding him. He can actually, you know, play within the offense. And Stefanski's actually done more than I ever thought he could possibly do with this Cleveland team. And it's going to be a pretty good matchup, I'd say. The Raiders... They've kind of had their moments. They upset Kansas City at Kansas City. But they've also had some pretty bad lows as well. So both these teams have kind of teetered on the verge of good. And Cleveland's having a surprisingly good year. And they're at home. I'm going to take Cleveland. Yeah, I also am going to take Cleveland here. The Raiders, they're surprising me as well. Both of these teams surprising me. The Raiders... Oh, man, it's like <laughs> I want to pick them almost because they've looked so good at times. And meanwhile, right. Cleveland has looked very, very poor at times. But I think I think Cleveland's going to – it's going to be a slight victory for them, something like a like a 32-31 to 31 or some very close game. But uh, I'll give the slight edge to Cleveland as well. Yeah, it seems like with Cleveland, whenever they play teams that are 500 or better, they seem to play worse. Like, with their competition rising, they kind of regress to the mean. But then when they play those bottom-line teams that are under 500, they just crush people. So, yeah, going to be really interesting to see how this one pans out. But moving on, we got the Tennessee Titans coming off their – First loss of the year. Uh, Goskowski missed the field goal at the end, and Pittsburgh came out on top there, and they go into Cincinnati to take on a 1-5-1 Bengals team who can't really find ways to win this year. Joey Burrow put up over 400 yards, four touchdowns last week, and they still lost. So... And I think the week before that, they were up 21 nothing on the Colts, and they somehow found a way to lose that game as well. So Titans, yeah. are, Titans, oh, are, too, Titans are too good to let a team like Cincinnati beat them. So I think they're going to be pissed off coming off that first loss. I think Derrick Henry's going to have a day on them. And going to go Titans. Yeah, poor Joe Burrow, man. He's, he's been playing so good, but his team around him is just miserable. And like you <laughs> said, they just keep finding ways to lose. 
Um, the defense is awful. They should have won last week if it wasn't for their defense. They should have beat the Browns, but of course their defense has let the Browns march down the field and get the game-winning touchdown. Yeah, the Titans, like you said, they're going to be pissed off. They should have went to overtime and potentially beat the Steelers last week. Yeah. Um, I, I think this will be one of the least close games of this week. I think I think the Titans might go for 40 points here and the Bengals get like 21 points in garbage time or something like that. But I think, I think Tennessee will come in firing on all cylinders. Absolutely. And going on to the next game here, we got a two and four Patriots team going up to Buffalo to take on a five and two Buffalo Bills team. So we kind of know the story of the Patriots this year. Not very good. Uh, they got off to a two and one start, and it kind of looked like, oh, they might have something with Cam, and they might be able to make things function at a somewhat decent level. But it's bottomed out. Well, Cam got COVID for a week, so he had to sit out, and then he hasn't really seemed to have found his bearings within that. Josh McDaniels offense up in New England ever since and yeah I mean I kind of read something or I I was watching Colin Coward the other day and he made a really good point about the whole you know Belichick Brady dynamic and Belichick's won 43% of his games that weren't with Tom Brady so taking Brady out of the equation might have been much more adverse than initially anticipated up in Foxborough. Honestly, I don't. I saw that stat as well. I don't think it has as much merit as people would like to give it because if, when Brady wasn't in, he's playing with a backup QB. He's playing with Matt Castle, who went on to be garbage after the Patriots. He's playing with Brian Hoyer, uh, who's the other guy that they had for a little bit. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, he hasn't done much. I mean, he's been very, very average uh, with the 49ers. Um, I think I, – so I don't know if I give that much uh, credit because you're playing with – a when Brady's not in, you're playing with a backup quarterback. Now, this year is different. Um, Cam Newton is just looking awful, and I don't know if that's because of coaching – and the scheme doesn't really fit Newton's ability, but his his arm is just gone. It's not what it was his MVP year. I'm re- I remember uh, the beginning of the year, like you said, they were two and one. All the people were like, "Oh my God, why did no one sign Cam Newton?" Blah blah blah. Like you're all stupid. And then all the people who don't like Cam Newton were just dead silent. And now it's the other way around, where all those people who don't like Cam Newton are like, "I told you so. I told you so." And all the people who were cheering for him early on are now dead silent. So it's yeah. just funny how things change on a week-to-week basis in the NFL. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy ride. But uh, going back to Buffalo, you know, they've lost two out of three. But the two were to Kansas City and I want to say Baltimore. But maybe they lost mm. – or no, it was Tennessee, wasn't it? They lost to the Bills. Yeah. Or they lost to the Titans. The Bills lost to the Titans. So, and yeah. they almost lost last week to the Jets. Yeah, that game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. But yeah, so the Bills are kind of in a in a minute 
mini slump right now. I guess that's all I can really call it, but both of these teams are basically trying to dig themselves out of a little bit of a slump here, but I'll give the edge to Buffalo just because I think they got a little bit more firepower on offense than anything the Patriots can put together, so I'm going to give it to Buffalo here. Yeah, I agree. Cam Newton is as bad as he was last week. Buffalo should get back on track here. They won last week, like I said, but I don't know if beating the Jets by eight points and losing to them most of the game and not being able to score a single touchdown against the Jets really qual- qualifies as getting back on track. Right. So I think I think they might get back on track against the Patriots here. Like you said, the Patriots' op- offense is extremely inept. They scored, what, three points? Cam Newton threw four picks or whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think they get back on track for real here get their second one in a row kind of get their feet back beneath them agreed um so next we have the chargers going into denver take on the broncos both these teams are two and four both have pretty young quarterbacks the broncos they suffered a lot of early season injuries you know melvin gordon Cortland sutton so this offense really hasn't taken full uh, effect as far as what they initially projected it to be coming into the season. The hype on Drew Locke was pretty high, maybe a mile high out in Denver, but it just has really never taken off. And speaking of injuries, Drew Locke was injured for, I think, two or three weeks. So that Denver team really dug themselves a hole right out of the gate. And the Chargers, they... Won their first game of the year um, against the Bengals, and then they kind of did their usual charger thing, find ways to lose for four weeks in a row. But they won last week. They beat Jacksonville. And so now 2-4, and four, Justin Herbert, he's looking amazing so far this year. He's probably, besides Joe Burrow, he has to be the best rookie, I would say, going into our uh, week eight year of the NFL season. Maybe Justin Jefferson's in that mix as well. I'd probably give that. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Chargers are starting to get a little bit of momentum here. And I'll say Chargers going to Denver, get a win. Agreed. Herbert's looked really good. Um, Joe Joe Burrow or him are probably going to get the rookie of the year, even though right now Justin Jefferson really deserves it. But it always goes to a quarterback, so I'm not going to get my hopes up on that one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I agree. And I think I think they've been pretty close in all their games, the Chargers. Meanwhile, the Broncos have kind of been floundering a little bit. They've hit the injury bug pretty hard. So I think the Chargers will come in here and get another win. Next up, we got the 49ers going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. So the 49ers, they've they've got a little bit of momentum going now for them, and they've won two in a row. They were sitting at two and three. People were kind of beginning to hit the panic button out in San Fran. They thought, oh, Jimmy G's not the guy. Uh, Nick Bosa out for the year. The season's over. But now it's very much alive, and they go into Seattle – who went down to the wire, played almost five quarters of football in Arizona on a crazy Sunday night game. Uh, and, you know, they, they're clicking on all cylinders on offense, and 
what's holding them back has got to be their defense. They just have never really shown up to play, and it's Russell Wilson carrying them on his back, basically single-handedly. And it's going to boil down to whether he can do that against the 49ers. The 49ers are starting to play a little bit of defense now, so I want to go San Fran, but at home, even without fans, it's tough to go and into Seattle and win. So, got to give a slight edge here to the Seahawks. Yeah, agreed. I think uh, the 49ers are good, but they're not Seattle good. The Seattle's offense is so good that they can pretty much win against any team. Um, they could have definitely won against the Cardinals. They led the whole time until the, the end of regulation. Um, they held the lead. Uh, so, I think they'll win again this week. 49ers, it's going to be a close game, though, don't get me wrong. Probably be, hopefully, for viewer enjoyment, uh, similar type close game that the Cardinal Seahawks game was because that was exhilarating. Um, yeah, but I got to give it to Seattle here. I just, like I said, Jimmy G is just not exciting. He's still injured. It's just uh, their offense is too dull for me right now to be able to outscore Seattle no matter how good their defense is. Well, with the 49ers, what it boils down to on their offense is whether they can run the ball or not. And if you shut down the run, they don't really have much of anything outside of George Kittle. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, going on to uh, the next game here, we got the 4-2 Saints taking on the fraudulent 5-2 Chicago Bears. Um, So last week, or really yesterday, Monday Night Football, um, Nick Foles really got exposed as the quarterback that he is outside of Philadelphia, and it's not good. And the Saints, they're they're kind of getting things on track. They got a one and two start, but that's how they usually start the season. Like they start slow, and then middle of the season they kind of start to pick up a little bit of steam. And I think. You know, with the sense of urgency, given with Breeze probably being in his last season as quarterback of the Saints, I think they want to put together one more run for Drew Breeze. And I think the Saints, they're a really good team. The Bears, they've found a way to beat bad teams, and the Saints aren't a bad team. And I think the Saints go into Chicago and get a win. Yeah, the Bears beat Tampa Bay. (laughs) <laughs> but like I said, I think that was. I think they're really starting to gel now in Tampa Bay. I think they're starting to come together because there's a lot of new pieces on that offense. Um, and they obviously got destroyed by the Rams. Mm-hmm. The Saints are just a better team, even though the record doesn't show, and I don't think the Saints are that good. I mean, my God, Nick Foles threw five interceptions last week, um, wow. last night. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to give it to the Saints just on that alone. They're, the Bears' offense is – abysmal I feel like they're almost in the same situation as us where you know their offense is just so bad and they don't have an offensive minded head coach and they just can't Nagy's in his third year now and he just can't get anything going on offense and he is an offensive minded coach but (laughs) oh my god he is oh my god yeah even more embarrassing (laughs) he he has that play sheet on the sidelines that says BU. Right, I remember that crap. 
Which is uh, just even worse for them, <laughs> to be honest. So, yeah. I think most people in Chicago want Matt Nagy to be anything but Matt Nagy. Honestly. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, <laughs> he came in the first year, he ran a bunch of trick plays, and then everyone caught on to that, and they lost in the first round of the playoffs, and now their offense has been abysmal ever since. So, The curse of the double doink. And <laughs> it looms in Chicago. And next up we got a battle of, I want to call it the NFC least, because this division, my God, this is hot garbage every single week but somehow they keep getting primetime games and I don't really understand it but we got the Cowboys who could possibly be on a third string quarterback at this point that team is a mess almost as big a mess as the Vikings Mike McCarthy honestly might get fired one and done in Dallas like Jerry Jones has got to be beside himself I mean, I get it, Dak out for the year, but at least put a decent product on the field, but they have nothing. And apparently he's already losing the locker room. Like, you hear those quotes coming out of Dallas. They're like, oh, the coaching staff has no idea what they're doing. Like, players are literally already saying that there. And then the Eagles, they just are not that good this year. And, yeah, they, they got a couple of wins. Their two wins, I think, are against the Giants and the Washington football team or maybe somebody else. I don't really know. But, yeah, I mean, NFC least primetime battle. But got to give it to the Eagles. I can't imagine the Cowboys somehow magically putting things together and finding a way to beat Philly in their house. Yeah, I mean, Mike McCarthy, I don't think he's a great head coach by any means, but, I mean, his O-line is decimated. Two quarterbacks now injured. So it's almost hard to blame him for the way the team is performing because of just the injuries that they've suffered. So I think he might get another year, one more chance um, to, to be the head coach of Dallas. But, like you said, I think the Eagles – just are a better team all around. That being said, they're still garbage because Dallas is also garbage. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think as a Vikings fan, we almost want the Cowboys to win, but hope their third-string quarterback looks terrible, and maybe they'll trade for Kirk Cousins because then they Perhaps. think they got a shot at winning that division maybe, and Jerry Jones likes to do things like that. So, you know, that would be nice. It's kind of a pipe dream, but it'd be <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's an interesting scenario to entertain. I I don't know if they have the cap room for it, though, because Andy Dalton's a pretty highly paid backup. Dak's on the tag. I mean, there's always money in the banana stand, and I'm sure they can move things around to make it work, but probably... My theory, my theory would be that we they give Dak to us. And we just eat the cap space from his franchise tag. Dak would hit free agency. We lose the Cousins contract. We take the cap hit on Dak this year, but then it's off the books, obviously. And then we're we're quarterback cap free going into the next season, and we can draft a quarterback and just have all this cap space to do whatever we want. <laughs> oh man, that'd be something. That'd be something, but. They seem too invested in Dak at this stage to 
really. But he's a free agent, though, man. There's like I, I feel like he's he's gonna be a free agent. I feel like he's gonna hit that open. I think Dak wants to hit free agency because he's gonna be able to command a lot of money. Yeah. So I think I think the I think the Cowboys would be smart to try and move. Wait, is is he untradeable though because he's injured? I think so. Like, oh, I'm, I'm 90, 98% sure that's the case. Oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> Whatever. But, yeah. A man can dream, okay? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, now we have to conclude the week. Monday Night Football got the one of the hottest teams in football, Tampa Bay, going up to New York to play the New York Giants, who... I think they, yeah, they got their first one of the season a couple weeks back against Washington and then uh, lost a heartbreaker at Philly, 22-21, to something like that. And Tampa Bay, they're clicking on all cylinders. Defense is lights out. Tom Brady's figuring it out in the Bruce Arians offense. They don't commit too many penalties. That's kind of what did them in against the Bears and New Orleans as well. They're two losses on the year, but they're playing a really good brand of football right now. And a team like the Giants, they're not going to get in the way of that. They're just not. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, we've basically said all we can about Tampa Bay right now. They're they're a well-oiled machine right now, and this will be an absolute destruction. I probably won't even tune into Monday Night Football this week because it's not going to be worth it because – uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be scary to see how bad they get destroyed. The Giants will get destroyed. So, yeah, Tampa Bay, obviously. Yeah, if you're a fantasy owner, you gotta start your bucks this week. I know Evans has kind of struggled a couple weeks now, but maybe this is a get right game for him. I know he's a little banged up, but they keep throwing him out there, and eventually he's gotta get some. He's got to get a good game somewhere in here. What better opportunity than against a really bad Giants team? Exactly. <laughs> so, Wait, is Antonio Brown playing this week, or can he, he can't come no. back until next week? No, so the suspension runs through the end of this week, and then okay. he can play week nine. So that's when he'll be debuting. And they get their rematch week nine against the Saints. So that's, oh, that's going to be a doozy. Yeah, it would have been good for Brown to get his feet back on the ground, his toe, dip his toes in the water a little bit during the Giants rather than against the Saints. But, yeah, that, that game next week is much more exciting than this Giants game. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, well, if the Saints and the Bucks both are still at two losses um, going into next week, that's probably the NFC South championship game, honestly with all the tiebreakers and everything, that probably favors Tampa Bay if they win, I would imagine. For sure. So oh, definitely. Definitely a, a heavyweight matchup going week nine. But, yeah, that basically rounds out week eight and the current happenings with all things purple, all things NFL. So basically wrap it up here. You guys know what to do. Follow the social medias, the Twitter, the Facebook. We're on Insta now, so give that a follow. And we'll see you on the next episode of BSC Pod. Peace out.